Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. We have been working our way through a whole vast array of inspiring saints. And today we're going to discuss a saint that you might not be familiar with. A saint that has tremendous importance in the narrative of Christianity. And of course, many of the saints that we have talked about are from the Catholic tradition. We ourselves in Methodism are descended first from the Anglican church that was descended from the Roman Catholic tradition. And so these two are part of our tradition, our understanding of how we might live in such an inspiring way that others will discover the rich love and grace of Jesus Christ. But today's saint is one that you might not have heard of. We're going to discuss today Martin de Porres. Martin de Porres was born in 1579, and he died in 1639. He is from Peru. And it is worth showing you, Martin. You can see him on your screens, and you can see him here in this icon. As you can see, Martin is not European. He is not Caucasian. He is not what some may consider white. He is the first non-white saint in all of the Americas. And this is important because his story continues to draw us to actions, decisions, and feelings of the heart that push us beyond our comfort zone. Martin is a call for all Christians to remember what is really important about the church now you can see that Martin here is carrying a cross and he has a basket full of bread because he is a Dominican, and if you, not of the Dominican Republic, but of the order of St. Dominic Dominican. And as we've kind of had this opportunity to journey through some of these various monastic orders, today we're going to have the opportunity to learn about the Dominicans because of Martin. Martin de Porres is the patron saint of mixed-raced people and for all those who are seeking racial harmony. His mother was a freed slave of African and native descent. And so if you were to travel to Latin America and South America, you would hear a word that is used to describe people of that very same ancestry, mestizo. In fact, our beloved Dominga, whom we have helped through her high school education and, her, and are now continuing to help her through her collegiate education, is mestizo. And Martin, was by law barred from becoming a full member of a religious order. Back in his day, there were actual laws that prevented anybody that was not of European descent from being a fully-fledged member of not just the Dominicans, but of any religious order. But Martin, even at the age of 15, knew that he wanted to serve God and serve others. And so he did not let this prohibition keep him from finding ways to serve. And at first, he was only allowed to be a part of the community if he would do menial labor and tasks. Cleaning the latrines, sweeping and mopping the floors. These were the kinds of things that the Dominican monks and friars in his community felt he could do. But 
God had bigger plans for Martin. And it wasn't very long before Martin started to show that he was quite capable of not only being a Christian and being a servant of God, but helping God to communicate new things to this old order that was inspired by St. Dominic. Now, the Dominicans are known for holistic education and the pursuit of truth. Like the Augustinians that I talked to you about last week, Dominicans emphasize education. Their motto is to pray, to bless, to preach. And they proclaim the word of God by preaching, teaching, and example, all the while living in their community that itself is within a larger community. Now, the Dominicans have found a wealth of good reception and productivity in the Americas. And their example of caring for the impoverished and helping people to discover the glory of God and the grace of God through their preaching and their teaching inspired Martin. He wanted to be one of them. He wanted to be as effective in ministry as the others were. And he was willing to work at it. But he shouldn't have had to. He was equal to all the others. But they wouldn't see. Can you imagine being part of a religious order? You've taken holy vows, and yet you still can't see someone who looks like this as your equal? Unfortunately, we have not yet come to perfection in the world of Christianity. We have not yet gotten to the point where we can say definitively that people are all treated equally. I'm female clergy. You can't tell me that. I know all too well. But we are called to be a people who are working toward fulfilling the very same words we heard in the book of Revelation. And that is that all nations, all tribes, all people, all languages will gather before the throne. Not one will be rejected because of their skin, the way that they speak, the way that they choose to adorn themselves and present themselves to the world. Not one of those things will disqualify them. For it is by their interaction with the Lamb that they are saved. Not their appeasement of us. And one of the best things about that passage in the book of Revelation is that the author, John of Patmos, is given this opportunity, this incredible encounter. It's almost more than just a vision. It's like this experience that he has, and he can see what everything is coming toward. Now, a lot of people throughout time in Christianity, especially here in the United States, have read that passage, and they heard that part about the great ordeal. They have passed through the great ordeal, and there's a whole slew of Christians in this country that think we're talking about millennialism and the apocalypse and pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, tribulation. They think that's what we're talking about. But I would commend to you that the great ordeal is making it through this life conquering your own sinful inclination and not letting yourself be defeated by the sin of others. Because just when you start to think you're getting a handle on your sin, you have to deal with somebody else's. Not just one or two other people's sins. The sins of collective societies and cultures, the sins even of the church, the sins of those who are trying to be good Christians but we all fall short of the glory of God. 
And Martin lived through that ordeal. Finally, what happened is that one of the friars in charge of the Dominican community in which he was already living and serving as a servant said, I'm not going to deal with this law anymore. He refused to let the law become an obstacle and a barrier any longer for Martin. And he said, Martin, you will receive the holy orders. And so he did. And he didn't stop there. He continued to work diligently, not only for his brothers in the Dominican order, but also for the people there in Peru. He was working tirelessly. At one point, his order was really struggling financially, so much so that they were wondering whether or not they would have to close the monastery and disperse the order. And this is what Martin de Porras did. He knew that he had value. His mother had been a freed slave. And even though pejoratively, he was often referred to as a mulatto dog, he knew that he had something he could offer for the good of that order. The order that hadn't always thought he was an equal human being. An order that hadn't always preserved his dignity, but sometimes stripped him of it. An order that had once tried to deny him equal opportunity to be a servant of God. He looked at them and he said, sell me. Sell me. I have value. And you can sell me and take that money and continue the work. Now, for some of us, that's an unfathomable statement. Sell me? But for some of us, we know because we have family who have overcome economic slavery. We know because we have heard those encounters and those experiences that there are people who recognize that to the world, they're worth is in their work alone, not in who they are to God. But Revelation doesn't say anything about skin tone and genealogy. Revelation doesn't say that you will get to come because you are white. It says you will wear white robes. They, those will clothe you in grace, not that you are perfect as you are. And some of us, are really good at projecting that we have it all figured out, that we do not have the stain of human sin. But trust me, it's all on the inside. None of us are perfect. None of us are Jesus Christ. But all of us are called to look at other people as if they were Jesus Christ. You know, if you've grown up in the church, you know that entire argument. In fact, I, I even read it one day in church recently about the one who comes to test Jesus and asks Jesus about the greatest commandment. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, it is to love your God with all of your heart and your mind and your spirit and your strength. With all that you are, love God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, that's not an invitation for all of us to be narcissistic and decide that we're going to love other people like that. But perhaps, if we look at it this way, we'll have a new understanding. We have a tendency to consider our neighbors to be people who reflect back us, who look like us, dress like us, talk like us, eat like us, 
Those tend to be the people to whom we have an affinity. But Jesus was inviting us to discover our neighbor in people to whom we have no affinity. To people that we look at and go, they are different than us. They are other. They don't have my skin tone. They don't have my accent. They don't have my pedigree. And Jesus is inviting us, challenging us even, to start loving people that we wouldn't have a natural affinity towards. Because Jesus has a natural affinity to every single person that has ever existed. And to be challenged to love like that is truly a high order. Martin not only lived with and worked with but loved people who didn't see him as a human being who didn't believe that he was worthy of even having the same title, which is servant of Christ, that they had. But he didn't let that stop him. And even now, all over Latin and South America, people see Martin and they have hope. But the other thing that Revelation tells us is that one day we will all be gathered together. And if we are blessed enough to be counted in that number, saved only by the grace of God, then you and I will have the opportunity to meet Martin DeVores. He will probably not be speaking English. But of course, it's my belief that perhaps miraculously we'll all be speaking fluent Hebrew when we get to the kingdom. I have tried repeatedly and failed miserably and it is my personal hope that I will be able to converse with God and with our risen Savior in the original language of the Old Testament. I would love to be able to do that. But guess what? We're not going to get there if we live our lives thinking, you know what? I can have my prejudice. I can have my inner feelings about equality because one day Jesus is going to return, resurrect us, and somehow miraculously on that day we're all going to get along. Or are we going to start living our lives like we want that for ourselves and for each other? That we want all of us to be there. Because Jesus looks more like Martin and less like me. And it's not because I'm female. We are a people who are called to remember that none of us are equal to Christ. But by God's word, we are all equal to one another equal access to the grace. Repeatedly in his earthly ministry, Jesus encounters people who are not Jews like he is. And even after some debate and give and take, he always gives them what they need. He always grants them grace. He feeds them. He heals them. He heals their children. He gives them hope. He gives them access to God incarnate. He never denies them because they are Gentile. Never. So who is it that we look at as those unworthy Gentiles? Who are the people in our lenses that are not enough like us that we other them? And will we have the courage and the conviction to ask God to change that in us? Because I doubt that Martin was the first person 
that wasn't of European descent, that recognized a call from God. And it is my horrible feeling, my darkest, deepest suspicion that countless others were run off, turned away, and cast aside until he persevered. I can remember when I was licensed for ministry, which in the grand scheme of the journey to ordination doesn't always seem like much. It's the first time that you come before a bishop. It's the first time that you kneel, and the bishop doesn't even touch you, doesn't even lay hands, but you know, issues a blessing and licenses you, and it's still very powerful. I mean, you're kind of like the first act of the entire service of the ordering of ministry, but it feels amazing. And I remember afterwards, it had happened in Hampton, and my church was in Norfolk, and if you know anything about the 757 area code, you know that people on one side of the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel do not want to go to the other side of the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel. And there in that room, which is always the most packed worship of the entire annual conference, I had this experience of being licensed, and I was wearing my clergy robe, and then afterwards, I was shocked to look out into the stands and see two of my most vintage church members. Two women who at that time were already in their 80s. And I was shocked. First of all, it's late at night. They drove through the tunnel. They got to go back through the tunnel. They got to navigate the parking lot at the Coliseum, for God's sake. I mean, this was really an effort for them. And I was shocked. And I remember saying, I cannot believe you came here that you came to, to witness this and be a part of this. And one of them was crying. And she said, I know that I should have been that too. But women couldn't do that when I was growing up. Women couldn't do that. How many women did we lose? Because we as human beings looked at them and didn't think they were equal to men. How many incredible people that don't consider themselves Caucasian on a census have we lost because we didn't think of them as equal? How many people didn't act, think, dress, behave, attend church in the same way as us, and we have discounted them because they weren't like us? And surely my neighbor looks like I will never forget the guilt that I felt when that woman said that to me. Yes, I was progressing through the opportunity that has only existed since 1968. Yes, I was making that first big step in the process to wearing this stole. Yes, I was moving there. But suddenly I felt the weight behind me of all of those that never got there that were told, like Martin, God doesn't use you. People that look like you, we cannot let that continue in the life of the church. We are called to build the kingdom. And if you want to know what the kingdom looks like, I will reiterate exactly what God said. 
God told John of Patmos to write these words. A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe and peoples in every language standing before the throne before the Lamb. No census, no checkboxes, no numbers. People, people, children of God, beloved, saved by the grace of the cross. That is who is welcome, all of us. And long after I am gone from this world, I hope and pray that we have made it to the point where people like Martin and people like Shirley and people whose names I don't know will never have to fear another beloved child of God being told, no, you're not welcome either. This is a time where we determine for ourselves if we who are of the family of faith of Crozet United Methodist here in Crozet and beyond, if we are truly going to build a kingdom that reflects this word. And why? Because even now there are beloved children of God who go through an ordeal where they hunger and they thirst for righteousness and they have no one who is willing to shelter them. They are scorched by the sun because they do not get the shelter of the church. And all they want is to be guided to the spring of the water of life that is Christ our Lord. And if we help them to experience that, then the word will be made flesh that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And no longer will a child have to cry because they have been rejected by God's holy church. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.